all-new, crisp, cool, refreshing Cano Tambos. A complete affordable library of tambourine loops from 50 to 154 beats per minute. Pop the top and add instant life and dynamics to any mix. Used by the top producers, engineers, and recording artists of today. Simply drag and drop. With multiple bit depths and sample rates to choose from, you'll never have to record another tambourine again. Visit canotambos.com. That's C-A-N-O-T-A-M-B-O-S.com and enter promo code Turned Up. One word, Turned Up, for 20% off. Cano Tambos. I love like figuring out sound and figuring out how to make things work and simplify things. You know, expectations of hotels when we're just going to probably sleep on friends' floors. I love it so much, but I realize that I love the behind the scenes stuff. Broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee, offering a glimpse inside the music industry, shedding light on things they don't want you to know, and exposing some of the industry's biggest secrets. You're listening to the Turned Up Podcast, presented by Real Sound Productions. Here are your hosts, Jake Jones. Wait, did your mom teach Frankie how to play drums too? And Robert Venable. Good morning. I was just going to let you just hang on that for a while and see if anybody said anything or afternoon or evening or late at night. You know, we always start the podcast that way. Let's change it up. Buenos dias, mi amigos. Oh, man, I don't speak German. Dude, Google it. That's what I did. Obviously, I'm good at it. <laughs> Google Translate. Hey, so welcome to the podcast today. It's Turned Up Podcast, episode number 12. We're calling this one. It's <laughs> a great question. We're calling this one a podcast. <laughs> Celebrities who jam. Yeah, like Michael Jordan. Space Jam. That's all I can think about. When I hear the word jam, I just think of Space Jam. I, For some reason right now, I'm picturing like strawberry jam or peach <laughs> jam. I think it's just because I'm really hungry. It is that time of day where we need to be eating something. I feel like I eat always something, always, always eating. Uh, we have a special guest today. It is Frankie Munez. But right now, in front of me, in person, flesh and blood and hair and things, is Jake teeth. Jones. And teeth. <laughs> all oh. teeth is Jake Jones. He's a producer engineer. He is my co-partner and host of the Turned Up podcast. Songwriter, multi-instrumentalist. I know I say this all the time. Former guitar player from the band We As Human, currently singing and playing guitar. Like right this very second, he's doing both of those. For the band As We Ascend. Um, But he's also an amateur toy photographer and news broadcast photobomber. Usually simultaneously. So if you're watching the news, you'll see him in the background taking pictures of toys. Now, wait, I am an amateur toy photographer, but I am a professional newscast photo bomber i see i i wasn't sure if you broke into the pro realm yet or if we're staying in that semi-pro amateur ramp so i just kind of lumped them together absolutely i have my own hashtag look it up but just google him he's there <laughs> man sitting in my bathroom on the toilet right now is my beautiful lovely co-host robert venable uh he is a, an award-winning producer engineer he is a songwriter uh Currently writing some country tones. Yeehaw, everybody. Yeehaw. It's Nashville. Yeah, man. Uh, man, the guy has won all kinds of awards, uh, participation awards from his mom and dad. Third grade T-ball player of the year. He is truly. No, the guy's got number one plaques, gold records all over the place, um, and and truly a, a very talented human. Um, he's also a drummer and plays drums for the same band as we ascend look it up as we ascend.com i'm actually just a beatboxer <laughs> we trigger it all in the mix i can't beatbox me neither Ooh, that's a good idea triggering beatboxing we should do one like we should 
beatbox it and then trigger replace like sample all the different parts as a real drum kit and see what happens just, and but but the symbols are leave those as just uh, a little known fact about mr venable he has a very large licorice roast beef sculpture collection I, I do, and it all started from a trip to Ikea. They have a wall of licorice you can buy. And I looked at it and I said, you know what I see there? Potential. Potential of some kind of, I, I can see a silhouette of a cow, which brought me to the roast beef thing. So I started lumping it together, um, went to Arby's, um, where they have the meats, grabbed all of the roast beef and the licorice and just started making, it, it just happened. I didn't know I was going to be that good at it. I think, it's, I think it's really interesting that you use the roast beef as the bone structure of, of whatever sculpture you're doing. And then you use the licorice as more of the outer coating. Definitely not the direction I would have gone with that. Well, when you chew up the licorice first and then you spit it back out and mold it, it gets harder and you can do more with it than you could think of. And I just wanted to think outside of the box or outside of the bun. And that's what I did. I am cringing thinking about this. <laughs> Me too. Man, I'm really excited about who we have today. Oh, man. We've got Frankie Muniz, an actor, an Emmy and Golden Globe Award-nominated actor, to be exact. You know him from Malcolm in the Middle, Agent Cody Banks, uh, every everything that you've ever known. You might recently know him from a little show called Dancing with the Stars. Tiny. Maybe that show will take off someday. Hey, Frankie, what's it like dancing with a real star? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I'm having a blast on it. Um, it's been so incredible. It's been an amazing experience. And I'm just as happy to be on y'all's podcast. Man, thank you. And something that you might not know about Frankie, um, in addition to acting and dancing, he is also a former race car driver, uh, avid golfer. He can play basketball. I've heard him on radio shows. But something that we've got him on for today. Exactly. He's a celebrity who jams. He is a celebrity who jams. He's a drummer, and I know who he learned how to play drums from. And I know bands that he's played drums for. Wait, did your mom teach Frankie how to play drums too? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was weird. My dad was video cameraing it. I found the video in the Christmas videos, and there's Frankie playing drums. Um, anyway, Frankie is on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Let's start with taking you back acting career. This is, I guess how you got your claim to fame Emmy and golden globe award nominated actor, as well as I know you've won a handful of Nickelodeon's kids choice awards, um, which I think I voted for. I was just about to say, <laughs> I know I voted for, um, man. Okay. What year, when was this? This would have been man over a decade ago. When were you doing Malcolm in the middle stuff? Malcolm in the middle started in 1999 and it ran until 2006. So seven years, you know, I was, what, I guess that makes me, you know, 14 to 20, 21. Um, you know, it was my life. And obviously gave me such incredible opportunity to do um, amazing other things I wanted to do. And I don't know, it was, it was fun. And then from there, from acting, and, and you've done films, a whole bunch of films. There's a whole discography. Um, just Google Frankie Munez and you'll see a list that you scroll for days. <laughs> various parts or vo voice acting, um, on you, how did you go from that to car racing? I mean, I, I'd always been a fan of racing, like just in general, like I was a fan of cars. Like, you know, I was the guy who on my 16th birthday was, you know, waiting for the deemed, you know, outside of the DMV waiting to open. But like, <laughs> that is a weird thing, right? Like, how do you, like, even for me, I went, how do people become a race car driver? Like, how do you become a race car driver? But they have a race at the Long Beach Grand Prix, uh, a pro celebrity race that they had done for like 30 years. 
and I was finally old enough for them to allow me to do the race, and I actually won the race. Now, granted, you're racing against celebrities, but it's a real race. I mean, it, they they make these at the at that year like Toyota Celicas into proper race cars, and you're racing them. But then there's also like a few pros from IndyCar, Formula One, NASCAR in the field as well. Yeah. Well, I ended up winning that race in 2004 and or 2003 or 2004, and a, a pro team that was racing in the bigger race approached me and was like, we'd love to give you a test in one of our cars. And I, like, I didn't even know what that meant, but I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so they flew me to Texas and, you know, fit me for my seat, you know, cause the seats are like custom molded to your body. Didn't know that. And it was really, really intense and terrifying. Um, <laughs> that process just, you know, sitting in the car, cause like, Oh my God, like, I don't really know what I'm getting myself into, but ended up going out the next day and was really fast, like right off the bat. You know, they, they didn't really have any expectations because they figured, oh, it'll just be a fun thing. But I ended up, I was quicker than their actual driver that they were paying. So right then and there, they, they signed me on the spot to a, a two-year deal. So I, I raced in Formula BMW in 2006 and then moved up into the Champ Car Atlantic Championship in 2007, which I also, I moved to a different team, but did in 2008 and 2009 until I got hurt. But, uh, it just kind of all happened. I don't know. Like, I don't, that's not the typical path of how you become a race car driver. That's, but um, it worked for me. That's <laughs> crazy. It was fun. So yeah. random question. I've always wondered this. I grew up watching NASCAR stuff. What You have a headset on inside your helmet. What are you listening to or who are you talking to? Are, I mean, you guys just telling knock-knock jokes as you're going around. What's being fed <laughs> to you? What are you listening to? Your favorite radio station? Hey, Frankie, knock-knock. No, no music. <laughs> you're not allowed to listen to music or anything like that. But, you know, it's, it's funny because... each driver likes to hear different things. Like when I first started, I only wanted to hear like information that I really, they really had to tell me because like you're so focused, you're trying to focus about what's happening in the car, you know, what it feels like and, you know, trying to get around someone. And then you hear like someone like pop up in your head and say something like mid corner. It's, it it kind of is a little distracting, but I used it obviously to tell the team what was going on, like if there was an issue or if I needed, you know, cause we have a lot of controls in the car to where we can, can we can change the balance of the car. Like we can um, change the springs, make them stiffer or softer in the front of the back. So like I could ask the engineer like, Hey, like, you know, I have a lot of understeer through the high speed corners, you know, or oversteer here. And he could tell me, you know, move your bar, like the, the anti-roll bar back, you know, two clicks or whatever. And that could help the, the balance. Mm. Um, I also would be talking to like, I had a driver coach and he would be in specific corners and help just kind of talk me through where people were on the track, who was coming behind me, things like that. But I don't know, just, you know, information you need to know in the race, but you're not like chatting, you know what I mean? You're, <laughs> it's, it's too intense to chat. I've always wondered, we listened to scanners, I guess, sitting in the box, uh, my dad and I, we have scanners listen to certain drivers and their their pit crew talk. Um, and I mean, they're a whole bunch of Southern good old boys in North yeah. Carolina. So we'd hear, we'd hear all sorts of stuff, but uh, probably stuff I yeah. shouldn't have heard as a child. Well, and NASCAR, like, you know, racing on ovals is a little bit different. You know, like I was doing like road and street tracks, yeah. but like on an oval, like you'll hear, you'll have someone in your head the whole time because you have your, like the spotter who's on like top of the stands, you know, and they're basically your eyes for anything that's next to you or behind you because you can't see, you know what I mean? And they'll let you know, like if someone's down low, so you don't go down, you know, so you, that there's a lot more communication 
on an oval than there is on like the road and street tracks for sure. Holy cow that I would be far more intimidated to do road and street just because it seems like there's so many more variables. Do you, when you leave the racetrack, are you just flying down the highway? Oh <laughs> crap. I'm not on a racetrack anymore. Yeah. It, it's funny. I think like once I started racing, I completely stopped speeding like on the streets, you know, like, you know, cause like there's even, okay. Oh, you're going 70 and a 35. It's still only 70. It's still slow. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know? Like, so it's like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess I get out of my system and just drive smooth. You know? <laughs> How fast were you moving uh, in these races? Uh, it depends on the track, but like we'd hit 200 to 205. Oh Gosh, gracious. I went, yeah, I've been 135 once on a long straight highway. And that was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I like in the, in the race cars, I mean, they're made to go really fast. So like you still feel slow because your body's so used to the speed, but you don't have anything to really judge the speed by. It's not like you're driving by like buildings. Well, I guess some of the street tracks a little bit, but you know, like you're just going fast. What feels fast is when you're cornering. Like you could be going 60 miles an hour in a corner, but you're pulling five G's. Oh. That's when you realize you're going fast. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like in a straight line, I don't know. Like you just, you just go. Then you look down and you see the speed. You go, wow, I'm going pretty quick. That would hurt if I hit something. <laughs> you know? So, uh, so you finish racing and then you get into golfing at some point. You know, I, I'd always played golf. I mean, kind of since I was growing up, but I actually went from racing. I got really badly hurt in 2009. I broke my back, uh, oh. uh, bunch of ribs, ankle. I had pins put in my hand. So it, it took me a while to heal. So I missed the whole 2010 season. And that's actually when I joined my first band playing drums and went kind of down that adventure for a while. Right. Well, let's, let's jump right into that. Okay. I know the story here, and we'll get that to that in a second about how you joined a band as a drummer but how did you learn drums to be honest like i was i was a, a really big fan maybe maybe i shouldn't admit this but i i'm good friends now and i think they're amazing musicians but i was a really big fan as a kid of the band hansen yes you know just growing up they were my age but... making music it just looked awesome touring the world you know crazy screaming girls chasing them everywhere i was like that's what i want to do you know? <laughs> so, at like 11, 12 years old, I got my first drum kit and I would literally sit in my room and watch VH1 or MTV or whatever was on and, and like try to play along to the songs So like watch any videos I could of like people playing drums and, and kind of figured it out. Like I never took lessons, um, which Robert, I'm sure you're going, I know, I can tell, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, like I just, I never took lessons. It's just something like I just would go and just play and I, I loved it. It was just like a hobby. But like being a drummer, I'm not like writing songs. I mean me personally. Like you know, I like I needed other people. You know what I mean? So like it was my drumming was playing along to like a like a walkman, you know, playing along to songs. You know a what? For a, most a walk of my life. What what's that? What's a Google Walkman <laughs> Walkman? <laughs> but we're old now. I know. <laughs> so Zach Hansen is yep. left handed though, right? He is. So like, to be honest, it's funny, like I didn't I didn't know how to set anything up when I got my first drum kit, so I set I, I set it up originally left handed because I watched him. Um, <laughs> and I, I started playing like left handed. But then I my dad my dad was like, You're a righty, so you should switch everything around. It made a little more sense to me then. That's why, <laughs> why my arm really 
But, uh, but you know, you can watch, you can learn from a left-handed drummer better because they're exactly like mirroring what you want to do rather than like kind of, you know, meaning like if you're facing a left-handed drummer, they're on the same side as you. Does that, that make sense? That makes sense. So that's kind of how I, I started playing drums, um, but never thought that it would become like actually something that I did. You know, like I, I always wanted it, but I didn't know how to like find other members or other people to be in a band and then not just be like a bunch of guys standing in a garage just making noise. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, like you want it to be like, you want it to be real music. You want it to sound like a band. I don't know. Right. Until so. one day. Um, so rewind a little history about Robert Venable. Um, <laughs> before I moved to Nashville, I had a studio out in Scottsdale, Arizona and a buddy of mine, Aaron, um, and I kind of started a, I guess you'd call it a fake band. It was just, we wanted to make music and push it uh, for placement, commercial placement and stuff like that. And we ended up winning some competitions and uh, we're supposed to go on tour with Hootie and the Blowfish, if that doesn't yeah. date me. And then at that point, um, we, we decided to make an actual band. We got some other, a couple other guys involved. And then I moved um, out to Nashville. I was drumming for the band that we invented. And... Some magic witchcraftery happened online on the interwebs, and suddenly Frankie Munez gets a phone call um, about playing drums or something like that—a tweet or a phone call—and you got involved. Yeah, no, it was it was really funny. Like it was it was back in the in the MySpace days, like the last couple of years of MySpace. But Aaron actually, I had posted a, like a video of me playing drums on my MySpace page, like just like a quick little. 40 second video, nothing crazy. Yeah, man. And he, and he wrote like a comment or he wrote me on it. He's like, Hey, he's like, you know, I see you play drums. You live in Phoenix. Like he's like, check out, check out my music, check out this band. Like if you ever want to jam, you know, uh, we'll, we'll come jam. Like it'd be fun. And I wrote back and I was like, I don't want to jam. I want to be in the band. (laughs) (laughs) So that's literally how it happened. And the next thing I know, like we were having like our first rehearsal you know, which I was terrified out of my mind because like I'd only played drums like by myself to uh, like along to music. Like I'd never actually like played with people, you know, like it was, you know, a lot to kind of take in. And I was nervous because to be honest, I never played in front of people either. Like even uh, like, even like two other people, three other people. Like it was just something I always did by myself, you know, in in your Walkman Walkman band, but my Walkman. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And if you play it really, if you turn up the volume really loud, you can't even hear if you're doing good or not. <laughs> Suddenly right? you're an amazing <laughs> drummer. Yeah, I'm this song. You know, whoever playing drums in this song is awesome. Um, but no, so it was, uh, it was kind of, it was funny. And, and we, I think we had like three or four rehearsals and then we like booked our first show at like Universal, uh, Universal Studios in LA and played in front of like a thousand people, like our first show, like five right. years after like becoming a band. And, and then it just kind of happened. You know, we ended up touring and we recorded a, you know, full length album with your help, Robert. And, you know, it was, we were having a lot of fun with it. And I was in a band, I was doing Dude, it. And uh, I just, that's, that's kind of how I got started in the, in the music industry. And not only playing drums for the band, I just remember from time to time, an hour long phone call with you where you were asking so many questions, which I didn't think you should even know how to ask these questions about how to set up in-ear monitoring routing and um, running tracks as a drummer and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, why are you, man, you're just going all in. Yeah. I, when I do something, I go a hundred percent, but like, to be honest, that was, that's probably my most, like the thing I love most about 
being involved in the band and, like, and music. I love like figuring out sound and figuring out how to make things work and simplify things. Like, so we can bring less or, you know, when you're touring or, you know, and in my next band, like we had like this amazing setup, you know what I mean? Of how we ran in-ears and, and just everything. Like just the, the thing, the little things that you spend time to figure out and you do, like just make the show better or make, make it easier for you when you show up to a venue and you don't have to worry about, you know, what the sound guy, if he's not at the board or not, you know what I mean? Right. So just stuff like that. Like I, I really, I loved it. Like I loved the behind the scenes stuff. I loved, you know, the, the technical side of just figuring it out, you we, know, and, uh, trying to make it work. Yeah. I mean, and that behind the scenes thing is what this podcast is all about. Uh, and so that band was called you hang up, correct? Yes. You hang up. And then from there you, did you start or join a band called Kings foil? You hang up, you know, we, we had a lot kind of going, going on. And then we had a member who had to leave cause he was getting married and you know, things just kind of happened. Right. So like, that's the unfortunate thing about being with a band in a band is, you know, not unfortunate, but like it's four or five, however many different personalities they have different lives, different places in their lives. And, you know, so like trying to get everyone obviously on the same page is always a huge oh, yeah. hurdle. Right. Um, even like the time that people want to put in rehearsing or being on the road or not, or, you know, expectations of hotels when we're just going to probably sleep on, friends floors you know what i mean <laughs> Ooh, um, behind the scenes little uh, snippet there that's <laughs> still happening <laughs> but, but you know what i mean so like you know you hang up kind of dissolves and our manager at the time you hang up's manager at the time was managing a band called king's foil and their drummer had just left and they were like auditioning or like you know trying to figure out who their next drummer would be so i actually was a big fan of the band prior to obviously ever having the opportunity to be in the band so when I when he told me about it, like I learned a few of the songs, and I flew to Pennsylvania where the band was based, and like had a tryout. Like I literally auditioned, and they picked me to, to be the drummer, and and then I was in Kingsfall, and that was kind of the same situation. Like they picked me, I had to fly back to Arizona where I live and get all my stuff. I got in a, in a 50 passenger van and a trailer, and I brought all my stuff. We had two rehearsals, and the first show we were opening for Third Eye Blind. You know oh my I mean? gosh. So, like, another, like, getting thrown off the deep end. Like, I didn't even really know the song yet. But it was just awesome. And, you know, King's Fall, to me, like, we had, like, an amazing amount of success for, you know, being a smaller band. And we kept everything, like, in-house, did everything ourselves. I ended up managing the band. Um, we started our own record label, you know, released a bunch of music. But we were doing really well as a band. Like, uh, you know, actually... A, a very rare thing for musicians is to actually make money. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> well, you say all that so nonchalant, like, oh yeah, I started a record label. I managed the band. I, you know, well, that, that's, that's a lot of work. It's, deal. It's that's easy awesome. these days to do that. But I, I think a lot of people don't think, think about what it takes or how to do it or, but like, it, that's the kind of things that I just thought about. Cause with, you know, social media and with, um, streaming services and all, all the way that people like hear music and get music now, like you can do it yourself. You might not have massive success, but like it's really hard to have massive, massive success in the music industry anyway, just because there's so many amazing bands. There just are. There's, it's kind of like, like even being an actor, you know, like you come out to LA or you go to New York city and when you're first starting out and you're auditioning, but there's a million other people trying to do the same thing. It's really about, having the right person see you or the right person hear you at the right time and giving you an opportunity and, and it, uh, and it going from there. But 
But no, we, King Spoil, it was amazing. I mean, I was in the band for about three years and we toured all over the world, Europe, everywhere, playing for huge bands. I mean, we, we opened for 21 Pilots. We opened for, on tour with Ed Sheeran for about a month. We were, um, you know, Third Eye Blind a ton, Lupe Fiasco, Calvin, I mean, just crazy Jeez. bands, like, you know, and it, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience and I loved it. But to kind of tell you where I am now, like, I, I loved it so much, but I realized that I loved the behind the scenes stuff because I managed the band. I did the booking. I did the routing. I did, I booked hotels and flights and like I would handle every, all the logistics to make the band actually work. You know what I mean? I, like actually be able to operate. And I, I, I don't know why, like, cause maybe some people find that boring, but like, I love that. I love that aspect more than even necessarily being on stage and, and playing drums like that. That to me, in a sense, became like a distraction to making sure the next show is ready. You know what I mean? Are you still doing um, any of that kind of stuff right now? I am. Now I, I manage a band. I just met, um, and it's actually the lead singer from Kingsfoil and uh, Jordan Davis and Tristan, who played piano and guitar, and Kingsfoil is playing drums in this new band called Astro Lasso. And it was kind of me and Jordan's idea to kind of start a new project, new sound. And I just want to be involved behind the scenes and let them, you know, kind of be the, be the stars on stage and make the music. And, and I love it. I like, it's, it's weird. Cause I get this, I actually think I get more satisfaction out of successes for the band, like for Astro Lasso, maybe because I'm not in it, but just because I'm, I'm helping them like, follow their dream and it's something that they are incredible at like they're amazing songwriters amazing musicians and you know just, just getting to help them like it feels it feels great like it feels good when we when we get something positive to yeah. come through and stuff like that so Man, that I like that totally makes sense I you know I, Robert and I are, are both producers and engineers and, and that is there's there's not quite a high like that when a band that you've helped starts it's kind of you see your, your fingerprints on something like, right oh, I kind of helped pat them on the back a little bit as they got there. They land their first big tour yeah. or, or climb the charts or whatever it is. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I get more happy. Like just what you said, I get more happy for them than I ever did for myself and my own band. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's really fun. Cool. Hey, hey, something that you said a second ago, um, we ha- first of all, we have a few questions from social media um, that we're going to get to for you. But before we get to that, you said something when you were trying out for Kingsfoil and the management and everybody that they picked you. And I just want to clarify something for our listeners um, that, yeah, you're a celebrity and you weren't chosen though, because of that, because I've heard you play in the recording studio. I've heard you play live. So recording setting and live setting, you're a good drummer, Frankie. You can keep time. You're playing to a click. Um, You learn the parts fast. And like you said earlier, and I completely agree before we started recording this podcast was telling Jake, whenever Frankie does something, he goes 110%. So if he wants to be a race car driver, he's going to be a really good race car driver. He wants to play golf. He's going to win tournaments. If he wants to play drums, he's going to be the best drummer I've heard all day. So dude can play. So he wasn't just chosen because of where he came from. He was chosen because he can play drums. Well, and I, to, to your credit, uh, I, I, I believe you probably have a, have had a much higher mountain to climb as a celebrity, especially, uh, as a, as a child celebrity, uh, I think everybody has this idea that you just have this silver spoon uh, stuck in your backside all the time <laughs> and that you can just do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. And life's just so easy. But the truth is actually completely the opposite where um, everyone instantly assumes 
you're not good. You're simply there because you are yeah. who you are. And that means that you have to fight harder, work harder, try and, and be better than just your regular drummer or your, you know, average run of the mill race car driver <laughs> yeah. uh, or, or any of those things. And so, man, uh, good on you for, for having that attitude to, to not just say, oh, I am who I am. And so it doesn't matter, but rather I am who I am. So I will work even harder. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that was one of my favorite things when I was in the band, right? Like so many people would come up after our show to the merch table. We'd be hanging out and they would go like these guys or whatever. They'd come and they go, I came because I wanted to make fun of you, but now I'm leaving like the biggest King's Foil fan. Can I have two CDs and three shirts? <laughs> like, that was like, that was a cool, like it, it felt good because like I have the same, like the same like, kind of preconceived, expectations when I hear that an actor has a band because to be honest, like, like I'm not trying to be mean, but like, a, a lot of them aren't very good. You're right. Like they're just, they're just not, you know, there's a few really amazing ones. And then there's a few that you just go, wow, like I want to do that. But, <laughs> Stick but, to acting. But you know, so like I, I understand where that comes from. Like I understand, you know, having that kind of expectation of seeing someone from like a different career, different field kind of move into something else. Um, and not expecting it to be great. But, uh, I, like, like I said, I, I, I worked really hard and I loved it. Like I really enjoy it. I love being a part of music. Like I, I, I love it. I mean, even when I, we went on tour with Astro Lasso, like I went on the whole tour, my girlfriend did merch. I ran lights. I ran their in-ears. I, you know, like I'm loading in and out. Like I'm, I'm doing everything to, to help. And I get like, like doing lights. I don't know if you guys have ever done lights. That is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're an artist, I was going to become an LD, and uh, you know, <laughs> now that's my next career path in the music industry. Awesome, no. noted. Uh, Frankie <laughs> Muniz, lighting specialist. Um, okay, so let's get to these questions. But before we get to everybody else's questions, I have a personal one. We just talked to Greg Barbanel. I don't know if you've ever met him or know who that is, but he did um, all the foley for Breaking Bad, uh, which stars Brian right. Cranston, whom you might yep. know. Um, so Brian Cranston played your character Malcolm's father on Malcolm in the Middle. And I heard he's a super nice guy, kind of treated you like you were his son in real life. Are you guys still tight? How was it? Uh, how's your relationship with that? Brian is honestly like the greatest human alive. Like he actually just emailed me this morning because uh, he's in London right now um, doing a, a film. And he's like, I haven't been able to see any of your dances, but I'm just, I hear you're still on the show. Go get it, son. Like, you know, like, he's just so supportive. Like, he oh, just, wow. No matter what I'm doing, whether it was the racing or the band, like, he was always 100% supportive of what I was doing, which is just, it's really cool because he's obviously like a Hollywood god, you know, sure. now, and he's so busy, and, and, but he still, he still cares, and it's, it's pretty cool. Like, he's, he's my idol. That's awesome, man. I, I just want to know real quick on that same topic. So much like a father, did he ever, did he ever sit you down and say, all right, Frankie, real talk here. You're being a moron. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he, he always was just there to like listen and give advice. And he's, he's, he's amazing. He, he really was like a father figure to me for sure. That's cool, man. All right. Jumping into questions from the social media platforms. Uh, Jake, hit him with question number one. Well, a question number one. This young lady wants to know, uh, what is your favorite memory from agent Cody banks? Like the, like maybe the set or any funny stories. What's your favorite thing from playing that character? Well, I mean, obviously like being a kid at the time, like 
every kid wants to be like James Bond, right? Oh, wants yeah. To be like the cool, oh, yeah. the coolest spot. So a getting to be that character was awesome to begin with, but I don't know. I mean, to be honest, my, my, my best memories are Angie Harmon who played my handler, like the CIA handler. Yeah. We became like best friends and we just had so much fun on set. All right. Question number two from the interwebs was music ever on the radar for you um, growing up or was this the next thing you wanted to master after acting? Music is just something I've, I've always loved. Like, and I liked playing drums. I never thought that it would be become a reality that it would become like a, a career path. But, uh, but no, I mean, I, I'm so happy it did. Like it's, it's, it's amazing. I love every aspect of being involved in the music industry from just, just everything. I, I, I love it all. So, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't expect it. But then again, if I look back at my life, like I didn't expect any of the things I've done for sure. Right. No, that, wow. I mean, that's awesome though. What is it like going back and watching yourself on television uh, especially the maybe some of the moments that you don't remember. Do you do you look at yourself and think I was hilarious, or do you cringe? You're like, oh man, you know. Some people like you know, I can't stand to hear my own voice, or I can't stand to see yeah. myself on TV. Yeah, I get embarrassed when I hear myself recorded or see myself. I'm like, oh, just take it back. Yeah, it's funny because I I had never really seen the Malcolm episodes, you know, because obviously when the show was on, it was pre TiVo or DVR, and you know, like there wasn't the streaming services to where you could. You missed it. You just missed it. And now. Yeah. So yeah, if you didn't watch it Sundays at eight 30, whatever time it was on, like you missed it, but you didn't see it. So I probably had only seen about 10 episodes, but yeah, my memory isn't very good. So my girlfriend and I, we actually watched all of the Malcolm episodes on Netflix this summer over the summer. You binge watched yourself. And it was, I did, but it was, it was weird because like I didn't remember filming really any of it. I mean, random memories would come up of like certain scenes, like every once in a while, but so much of me was going like, I did that. Like I should remember, <laughs> I should remember that. But it was cool in the sense though, cause it allowed me to watch the show like as a fan, you know what I mean? Cause I didn't right. really know what was going to happen next. And you know, oh, that's awesome. I don't know. Like it was, it was awesome. I, 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 it made me, I mean, I obviously appreciated the show prior to watching it, but watching it, it made me appreciate it so much more because like, it was really funny. Like it was a, it was a, a really good show. And like, I'm happy that I got to be a part of it for sure. Well, and, and I've, I've always wondered when you're filming anything, whether it's uh, a film or, or a television show, uh, unless you sit down and read the script start to finish. And I imagine this more, more on TV where you're getting a new script, you know, every week or however often, um, it seems like maybe you wouldn't even be able to necessarily follow the entire storyline unless you make it a point. If, if you don't, make it a point to read the script all the way through. It seems like just because things are filmed out of order and, and all of that, it would be kind of difficult to follow the storyline and thinking about a show like Malcolm in the middle where it, it's not serial necessarily, yeah. you, you know, and especially you being young, did you, I mean, do you, I guess you don't even remember like if you knew everything that was necessarily happening with Malcolm, there was always like three or four different storylines per episode. So there'd be like what I was doing and maybe that was with Dewey. And then there was what the parents were doing. And then Francis was off at military school or wherever he was. Right. So like, especially all those moments, like you, you don't see it getting filmed. Like you don't, you're not there. You know what I mean? So you, you really would be watching that for the first time when you, when you watch it. But, uh, but no, I, it, it, that is a good point too. We don't film it in order. You know, we don't film it as an episode. Like you may film the last scene first, you know what I mean? In the first scene in the middle of the week. And, you know, so 
like I would read the scripts, but realistically, being honest, like you read the scripts and I go, okay, what do I do? Sure, <laughs> like, right, like, right. What am I doing? Well, like, so okay. I have all the and time. Then, okay, in the I world. don't see my name on this page. Okay, skim, skim, skim. Oh, but here I am. Okay, right. that's cool. I get to kiss a girl. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty much how, how it went for me. That's hilarious. Okay, <laughs> next question is: Do you know of any other celebrities who are musicians? Like in your field? Like, oh yeah, Brian Cranston plays a wicked steel guitar. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know Steve Martin does actually play a wicked steel guitar. I've seen him on Tonight Show or something. Actually, or he plays banjo or something. Yeah, banjo. banjo. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he's really good. There, I mean, there's so many actors. Like, I mean, good and bad. There, you know, obviously, like Jared Leto and Thirty Seconds of Mars. I think, like, the epitome of a actor becoming a musician or being also being a musician and having success. Right. Right. Hugh Laurie from House. Like, international, like, he sells out, like, 6,000, 8,000 person, 10,000 person venues. Wow. For, like, jazz or something. Sure. You know, unbelievable. Kiefer Sutherland, I know, same thing, like, overseas, massive. Tours around here. But, like, people don't necessarily think of him as a musician, but, like, does fairly well. You think, who else? Have you ever jammed with any of these people? I haven't. Um... Robert, you know me long enough to know that I don't really have any friends. <laughs> but one cool jam story that I do have, um, there was a band, a local band called Malbec in LA when I lived here. Amazing. I'm one of my favorite bands ever, Malbec. And they came over my house and the drummer is now actually the drummer for Foster the People. Oh, wow. And, um, but we all jammed, and then John Mayer came over and jammed. What? No, 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 no. Yeah, so it was, it was John Mayer, and my favorite band at the time is band Malbec, and like I was playing drums. It was pretty cool. It was, Dude. It was, it was a pretty cool experience, for sure. John Mayer is my favorite uh, musician uh, and has been for a long time. He's just such a phenomenal guitarist, and I think he's hilarious. No, yeah, I was a, I was a huge John Mayer fan. So, like, you know, I, I became friends with him kind of right when he was getting... Like no the no such thing album had just come out. I think Room for Squares, Room for Squares had mm-hmm. just come out. He was still playing like tiny little venues. I met him at. A, I actually met him when I was filming Agent Cody Banks um, at a place called Richards on Richards in <laughs> Vancouver. Maybe fifty people in the crowd. No That's way, insane. Maybe when Room for Squares you know, was his, his big album. Kind of became friends with them there, and always went to shows and hung out, and and then yeah came over to the house and would jam. Like I have a few of his guitars he gave me. What? Um, yeah. Kind of cool. Shut cool. up. But like, I haven't talked to him in like 10 years now. Like it was like, that was all like when I was cool and on TV, he talked to me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I bet if you call John Mayer right now, he would take Frankie Muniz's phone call right now. <laughs> no. Let's do it. Three, way, three, three ways in. He quick. seemed to kind of like go that through twerp, this. That, twerp, that little twerp on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> no way. But he seemed to kind of go through this evolution where I would say maybe five, you know, five to 10 years ago, eh, less than 10, between five and 10 years ago, he may have been unapproachable, but he seems like he kind of made it a point to go back and, and find himself again and, and, and reclaim yeah, his no, humility. I know he moved, he moved to um, Montana. Montana, I think, yeah. and, you know, kind of, kind of chills. But when I, when I knew him, we actually bought, <laughs> God, this sounds creepy, but we bought apartments next to each other in New York city in, mm. in Soho. 
And he's like, I hate LA. I can't live in LA. It makes me a bad person or whatever, whatever he was talking about. He's like, I have to live in New York. It's like, it's just better for me mentally. And then like he moved to LA and I'm not saying that's when he got, he didn't go, he'd go bad, but like, you know, he got into the scene and he was dating all the little Hollywood starlets and, you know, and I don't know, but now he's back to being, you know, good old John Mayer. Did you guys have your own like, recreation of friends um, while you guys were living <laughs> next door to each other in New York and just yeah. come over and walk in the room <laughs> or Seinfeld? Well, to be honest, we both bought, we bought those places and I don't think either of them, either of us ever went to them before we sold them. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when you were out here and we were working together in Nashville, um, we had a special guest friend of ours, Haley Williams of the band Paramore come by and I know that you went... Um, the band went and hung out with them while we were working on some other things in the studio and she could play the drums. Yeah, it was really funny. Like, you know, obviously I, I was, I'm a big Paramore fan. Um, so it was really cool to meet her. She came to the studio when we were recording and we ended up going to her house and she had like music gear set up in her basement and she's like, will you play drums? She's like, will you like to just do a beat real fast? She's like, I have this like idea for a song and we just started jamming, you know, this new song with, you know, Haley Williams from Paramore, which is pretty cool. It's so, called Ain't It Fun? That was pretty is, awesome. Is that the name of the song y'all were... Did you write those drums? I'm just kidding. Ain't, ain't It Fun. Yeah, I'll take credit for that one. Perfect. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, we're talking about music. You are on Dancing with the Stars currently. Yes, as we speak right now, um, still active on the show. You guys are killing it. Yeah, tonight's actually the semifinal which is insane. I never thought I would actually make it this far. Um, it's been going well. I mean, I'm, I'm not a dancer at all. I really am terrified out of my mind every time I have to, but I, I love it. Like it's, it's been so fun and I, I, I can't believe I'm still here. Like I, I can't believe that I'm, I made it to the semifinal and depending on people's votes, maybe the, the, the final, you know, which is next week, which is, it's crazy. It's actually sad that it's ending because I've had such an amazing time. Man, it well, nerves don't show while watching from my couch on television. It, it you oh look like you were, man. I I don't know how often and how many hours a day you practice, but it looks flawless, dude. Well, thanks. I mean, I, I think I'm about to set the record of 25 seasons of Dancing with the Stars. Like they log how many hours people rehearse since the beginning. I'm over 400 hours, which. Like, it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you really think of what 400 hours of dancing would look like in two months. Oh, no, that sounds like a lot. a lot. Of That's 10 yeah, weeks of, of a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's been, it's been insane, but like, I love it. Like, I, I, I am having so much fun when I'm rehearsing and I'm dancing. And like, I didn't think that I had like this love for dance because I'm like the person who like just does not, like, I don't like, to, like, I'm the guy who sits on the couch and watches everybody dance or goes to a wedding and like everyone's trying to get to come on the dance floor and I go, no, like, no, no, no. Nope. And, I, and they keep trying to pull me and then how they get really angry and go, no, I'm not, I'm not dancing. <laughs> I hurt my you ankle. Know? I can't dance. Leave me alone. <laughs> you know? um, so to be doing this is definitely uh, unexpected, but uh, it's been, it's, it's been awesome. It's, it's definitely not easy. Well, yeah. And that's that, you know, go 110% no matter what you're doing. My, my question is with the music, do you get to pick the songs or does somebody else pick them for you? Do you get sick of hearing that song by the time you're finished performing? Do you get to say, no, I'm well, not doing that song? No, there's been, you know, like probably half and half. Um, Whitney, my pro partner, she suggests a lot of songs, 
you know, for specific styles of dance. Makes sense. And sometimes, you know, it also depends on like the licensing and, and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, we, we get some of those. And then other weeks, like this week, for example, um, we just made it last night. We made it through. They sent her the songs that we're dancing to last night. She had no say in them, you know, and some she likes, some she doesn't. The only song that we said no to, Interesting. <laughs> they wanted me to dance to the Malcolm in the Middle theme song during most of the year. And I didn't really want to do that. So Good call. They fortunately uh, allowed me not to. It's not a very dancey song. No, it's like the worst dancey song ever. It's annoying. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, just, just dropping this, throwing this out there. Uh, you know, I you should tell Astro Lasso to hurry up and write a good dance song because finals are coming up. <laughs> um, I know. All right, so Frankie, a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed and got to talk to um, a friend of ours, Scott Hamilton, Olympic gold medalist figure skater, and we asked yeah. the same question to him. I'm interested to know if it's a different answer or the same for you. While dancing on Dancing with the Stars, are you cueing off of the music at all, or is it pure muscle memory at that point, or? How are you hearing the songs? You have in ears in, or you just hear a big woofy, boomy beat in the studio. Um, how is it for you as a performer hearing the music? Well, I think it's different for everybody who I've talked to on on Dance of the Stars. But like for me, we start dancing to music kind of the first day, where a lot of other people like they'll just do it to counts, like learn the steps to counts. You know what I mean? And then they'll add the music later. Sure. Where me, the first day, like I like hearing the music. It, it just makes it flow better for me. Um, I understand obviously being a drummer, you know, how to keep time and, right. and all that, but it, I definitely do cue off the music, but in a, in a natural muscle memory way, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to explain it. Sometimes they have the, the live band play the songs, but the first time you get to hear the live band play it is literally an hour before the live when we're doing the dress rehearsal. Mm. And they're amazing. The band's amazing. But there's sometimes things that don't stand out when they play it live as much as it did, like, in the recording we're learning in. And it is, like, you go, wait, where's that part? Like, in, wait, did I do it wrong? Like, I'm used to, like, moving with the music in a certain way. So I, I'm a little bit of both. Like, my, my, my body just kind of naturally does it because I've realized if I think at all. And it was the same when I drummed. Like, if I thought about something, if I thought about a fill that was coming up or something that I wanted to do, it didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like you, if you, you just, have, your body just has to do it. Like, you know how to do it. You just have to let it happen. Right. And I really kind of felt that with, uh, with the dancing thing as well. That's interesting. Um, Scott was telling us when, when skating, a lot of times even the music would cut out, but they'd end up right on beat because they've done it so many times. They don't even yeah. listen to the music. Their muscles just know what to do. Um, but I, I was wondering as a drummer, if you're, you're waiting for, um, a certain guitar riff or a certain vocal riff or something from the recording that you've heard thousands of times. It's like, Oh yeah, I should be dipping right here or whatever. No, for sure. I mean, I, I, I definitely, you know, cause you're not, I mean, you're counting in your head, but you're not counting. You know what I mean? Sure. Like you can't, you're not sitting there going one, two, three, four, five. Right. <laughs> you know, so like you, you take, you know, like, you know where you're supposed to be in the music, you know? So I don't know. Well, we have one final question. All right. One final question for you, Mr. Muniz. Drum roll, please. That'd be Frankie's cue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. no. I'm retired. Oh, gotcha. Well, that might answer this next question. <laughs> that is this next question. Will, <laughs> will Frankie Muniz ever play in a band again? Oh, man. I, you know, it's funny. I, when I left Kingsfoil, 
and got into the managing thing, I was like, oh, I'm never going to drum again. Not never drum again, but like, I'm not going to be in a band again. Like, I love the behind the scenes thing. But it's funny, like the further away I get from it, like when I went on tour and I see the drums up there, I go, man, it would be so yeah. awesome to play. Even at the Dancing with the Stars studio, right? Like then like the whole band had the drums up there. I'm like, I just still want to get on them right now. But, but I don't think so. I, I think that I'm just going to stay behind the scenes and leave the, the drumming to every other drummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so... Currently, right now, on Dancing with the Stars, Frankie Muniz um, and your partner, Whitney Carson, um, we're going to call Team Franny Pack, right? Yes, nice. Hey, so tonight, semifinals, you can actually call in and vote for Team Franny Pack. Frankie, what is the number for that? The phone number is 1-800-868-3405. And you can, you can only call during the show or an hour after it airs. And if you miss that, you can also vote on abc.com. Um, find the Dancing with the Stars page or on Facebook on the Dancing with the Stars page. And I need your votes because I want to make it to the finale, please. We want you to be on the finale. So tonight, when you're watching this show or right after the show, call that number 800-868-3405. We're going for Team Franny Pack all the way. Team Franny Pack. Dude, (laughs) that name cracked me up the first time I saw you post something. I'm like, that's hilarious. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, you have to come up with a cool name. We, We thought forever. We're like, what can we do? And then my girlfriend always actually wears a fanny pack. Like that's how, on like, purpose? She doesn't carry a purse. She just wears a fanny pack. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> Dude, that's perfect. Real quick, um, is there anything you just want to say? Our podcast is all about... Um, kind of pulling back the curtain. Pulling back the curtain. It's kind of uh, exposing the, the things people don't know. Uh, before we, we get off this, is there any just, you know... F- just freestyle and like, is there just anything that you're like, you know what? I would love the world to know this, that I almost would guarantee they don't know. You know, I think people with, with reality TV and shows like, like American Idol or dancing with the stars. Uh, a lot of people wonder, is that, is it really as left up to chance and dependent on votes as they say it is, or is there some politics involved? Again, we kind of just assumed you couldn't say anything, especially yeah. while you're still on well, the show. But I, I don't know. I mean, I asked kind of the same question. <laughs> you know? I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. You know, because there's not like you don't actually ever see. There's not like an algorithm, or there's you know like a a third party, you know, vote counting service. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't, I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure. You know, I know obviously if you think about it, the voting would tell the producers or the network for any show for American, for any of those, right. Who the people like, right. So they wouldn't want to get rid of someone that people are voting for because people like them. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I don't know. I, I feel like it's a, it's a good way for the producers to know who they should keep on the show. I mean, because that's who America wants to see. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. That's I'm, a good uh, way to, I didn't, I've never thought of it that way, but yeah, it just provides real time feedback to the producers of the show to know who people want to see. That's a good answer. Yeah. Well, cause if you think about it, I mean, maybe that is like, even if the votes aren't exact, right? Why would they keep the person who less people are calling about than the person that is getting tons of votes? Right. So, cause obviously more viewers want to tune in to see those people. That's true. So I, I think I think it's probably pretty accurate. Frankie Muniz, Dancing with the Stars, call tonight. Again, the number is 800-868-3405. 
former drummer for the band You Hang Up and Kingsfoil, currently managing Astro Lasso. You can look them up online. Um, new music coming soon. Frankie, dude, thanks for taking the call and uh, kind of filling our brain holes with some information. No, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Yeah, man, really appreciate it. And uh, good luck out there. Thank you. Tonight. See you tonight. See ya. Man, that guy is a freaking go-getter. Everything he does, he succeeds at. And that's, uh, I admire him for that. Frankie Midas Muniz. Not a lot of people know that's his middle name. I don't <laughs> think he even knows that. We'll have to let him know. You know, I, okay, so I know that you're his friend. You've known him for a long time. This is my first first chance getting to talk to him, and he sounds exactly the same as he has always sounded. <laughs> even from the womb, when he came right out, he was like, hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like I was talking to Malcolm. He is one of the most down-to-earth people you'll ever know, and um, I had the privilege of hanging out with him for quite a while a few years ago, and he's just a good dude. He's he's funny, he's very quick-witted, and uh, very entertaining, to say the least. Now that I have his number, um, I want to see if maybe he'd be interested in playing drums for our band. We're looking for a new drummer. I'm right here. I have headphones on, I can hear you saying that. If you didn't think I was good, just tell me. No, you're good. Different, different band. This other oh. band is called... Uh, Smaz Tweed Different, totally, totally different band Definitely don't don't play rock music (laughs) Anyway, I want to thank Jake Jones for doing the mixing on this podcast and the recording It's a lot of work and a lot of people don't know that, but uh, thanks man Hey, that's actually the easy part, you have the fun part, man Robert, thank you for editing Also, thank you for having the coolest friends on planet Earth well, that's why I like you, Jake, because you're one of my friends. Oh, I was about to say you are the coolest friend on planet Earth. We are the world. Oh, stop it. So Real Sound Productions is who we really need to thank for giving this platform to us so we can actually share these interviews and our voices with your ears. Absolutely. Real Sound Productions. And of course, the most important part, the mo- this podcast literally would not even exist. Well, it might exist, but if, if, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, did it make a sound? If a podcast is recorded and no one listens to it, is it really a podcast? Is, so, it, is it a podcast? You, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we are completely honored and blown away to see our listenership grow every single week. We are spreading all over the world, and we could not be more thrilled by that. Do us a personal favor and tell a friend if you think they'd enjoy this kind of thing. Um, it, it helps us a lot. and helps keep us going, and we see this feedback, um, the ratings, and the and the reviews that you can leave us on iTunes and whatever platform you're listening to, that really does help encourage us and helps give us a nod from other platforms that'll kind of excel our podcast and keep it at number one where it's been. Absolutely. And and with Thanksgiving coming up and Christmas, all the holidays, there's going to be so much traveling. Everybody needs a good podcast to listen to while time they're to, in the car. Time to binge listen to Turned Up Podcast. Turn it up. So you can find us on the social medias at Twitter and Instagram at Turned Up Podcast. And of course, Facebook.com slash Turned Up Podcast. Or on the interwebs, TurnedUpPodcast.com, which will take you right to the place where our podcast is hosted. So you can listen on any platform you want. Absolutely. All the links are there. Again, Frankie Muniz tonight on Dancing with the Stars. Don't forget to watch and then call in and vote for the, the coolest contestant that's ever been on the show. That number, again, one 800 868 Three four zero five. Team Franny Pack for the win. <laughs> Semifinals. Come on, man. You can do it. That name. Until next Monday morning when you hear us in your ear holes again. This is Nashville signing off. Peace. <laughs>